Welcome to Core Parenting Conversations with Kaylee. My name is Kaylee Kukla, and I've spent the last decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of two, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my book knowledge and combining it with real life experiences to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations that always include practical tips so you can walk away feeling inspired and empowered to make simple yet impactful changes in your family's life. Let's dive in. Welcome to the final week of the Behavior Bite series. We have two more episodes and they're going to cover mean talk. Today, specifically, we're going to cover mean talk to one's self. Before we dive into this episode, I just want to let you know that I'm going to use common mean phrases that children may say to themselves. So if you have little ears, you may want to pop some headphones in or wait to listen to this episode without the children in earshot. So with that said, let's dive in. I'm going to follow the same format of other Behavior Bites episodes by first explaining the why behind the behavior, because when we understand that why, right, it helps us deactivate that trigger. It doesn't, the behavior doesn't seem as big and unmanageable and scary as it does when we can just understand what is going on with our child. Then I'm going to give you some tactical responses to use when your child engages in that mean self-talk. So here's the why. Typically, these mean words will start to pop up around age four, five, or six-ish, depending on the child. I think many people don't realize that children are still acquiring language during this time period. We may think because our children seem to be able to speak pretty fluently at this age and stage, they fully understand what they're saying and they can really articulate what they're thinking and feeling. <laughs> but that's not the case. Children are still learning how to use language, the nuance of language, and how to use it to capture subtle variations in their experience and communicate their feelings. Children's awareness of feelings and their experience with feelings are also changing at this age, feelings and emotions. When children are very young, like the first two or three-ish years of their life, they feel very strong and pretty straightforward emotions, mad, sad, happy, scared, right? Those are pretty straightforward. But as they develop they get older, their cognitive ability expands, their social emotional awareness, their self-awareness expands, all a part of typical developmental patterns. They experience more gradient feelings such as disappointment, worry, frustration, annoyance, but they may still lack the words to be able to describe those feelings. Instead, they may use strong statements, like just pull random words out that feel very strong and powerful to them to communicate strong feelings and emotions. So if they're frustrated about not being able to do something, they may use language like, I'm so stupid. Because in that moment, 
they feel inadequate to complete the task at hand. Of course, a five or a six-year-old doesn't yet have the perspective, the words, or the awareness of nuance to say something like, I don't have the skill set yet to do this the way I want. I really wish I could do it the way I see it in my head. And it's not working out that way. So often that's what they're actually trying to communicate. So how do we respond? We hear our child say this. We understand what's going on, right? They're experiencing these feelings and emotions. They don't quite have the articulation, the word nuance yet to be able to express that. But they're signaling that they need some support here, right? The demands are outpacing their abilities in this moment. First, don't jump in. Let me just tell you, I'm going to tell you the don'ts first, and I promise I'll tell you the do's. Okay, so the first don't is don't jump in and contradict them. No, no, you're not stupid, honey. Don't say that about yourself. You're so smart. Because now, with the best of intention, you're telling them that their feeling is wrong. (laughs) So now they feel stupid and wrong. Oh, gut punch, right? We have the best intentions and we're just shifting, like we're missing the mark just by a little bit. Another common response may be something like, well, here, if it's too hard, let me help you with that. Right? We want to help them succeed in this moment while they're in that struggle and they're experiencing that angst. Best of intentions, right? We just want to help them. But now we're rescuing our children and undercutting their belief that they can wrestle with the problem and figure it out. They need to know that they are capable of doing hard things. That's a fundamental question children start answering and asking in late early childhood, which kind of sounds like an oxymoron, but around like six, seven, eight. And really children start asking it and answering it well before that, but it really peaks and it's really a critical time period at ages like six, seven, and eight and onward throughout um, early adolescence and, and teenage years. So if we don't want to rescue them and do it for them and take away their feeling of empowerment and being capable, and we also don't want them to feel like their feeling is wrong, right? Because all feelings are okay and accepted. What do we do? Okay, so here's the first thing. First, we're going to join them. We've got to get curious about their experience. We've got to understand what's going on internally with them, how they're seeing it before we can support any different response, right? So depending on the child's reactivity state, that will determine how I suggest we approach that child. The first thing we want to do is when you hear those words from your child, they proclaim, I'm so stupid, I just can't do this, right? They're waving a white flag. They're sending up an SOS signal for us to come in and just get curious. I often will just pause and kind of watch for a moment. Huh, wonder what's going on here. I'm watching their facial expressions, their eyes, what their hands are doing, what I think they're paying attention to, what their intention may be. I'm just going through this and I'm not saying I'm not studying them for like 30 minutes and taking a running record of notes, right? This is a five to 10 second thing like, huh, three, four, five. That's a five second pause. How often do we really pause that long to just watch before we try and jump in, right? 
awkward. I always say, if you want to study awkward pauses, watch Mr. Rogers. He was like the master of the awkward pause. (laughs) If you've tried the Instagram parenting tips and tricks to gain connection and cooperation with your child and it's still not working, or maybe you just want to grow your parenting toolbox or grow your own personal skill set. If you feel confused about how to respond to some of your child's bigger behavior, or maybe you need the encouragement and accountability to make the changes you know you and your family need, CORE offers the weekly support and tools to make these powerful shifts within a supportive, uplifting community. We talk about real-life parenting, not the neat and clean two-dimensional examples given on social media. You can learn more about my core membership program by heading to www.kayleekukla.com backslash core. It's a month to month membership. You can cancel it at any time, no strings attached, and it's meant to be on demand parenting support. So you can access it when it's needed and when it's convenient for you. The link is in the show notes to learn more. And now back to this core conversation with Kaylee. Then after we pause and observe, if they seem really reactive, they are really frustrated. They may be balling up that piece of paper. They may have thrown their pencil at this point, right? If something like that is going on, then we know we may need to be quieter and use a gentle approach. Just getting close literally like close proximity in their space and observing and maybe nodding with them, just showing them like, hey, I'm noticing this and I'm right here with you. And we do that all non-verbally, just with our body language, just with how much space is between us and them. If they seem receptive to that, I may even use some sound effects. Mmm. Ugh. Man. I'm just trying to show them that like, hey, I'm paying attention to you. I'm seeing this struggle and oh, I feel it with you. I'm also seeing if they're going to be receptive to my input, to my presence through these subtle bids. Then if they are receptive, and I always liken this to a a waltz or a dance and the child is leading. So I wait for them to take that step back and maybe I step into them. And then if they step to the left, I'm going to follow that step. So I'm always kind of just following their energy and their movement to see, okay, are they receptive to this? So if they are, if they turn to me, if I hear a big sigh, which is an indicator of like a stress response completion thing, then I might add to, I might go, oh man, sounds like something is happening. What's going on? I love, love the phrase, what's going on? Because it's super non-judgmental. It's very neutral and it's very curious. And I can almost like never say it with, what's wrong? See, if you say what's wrong, it can sound harsh. Wrong implies some judgment there. But if I just say what's going on, it's way more curious and non-judgmental. I may even acknowledge their effort that they're putting in. Okay, if they're really trying something, or if they're really getting frustrated with something, I might say, wow, you're working so hard on that. And it seems like it's getting frustrated. Or it seems like it's getting frustrating. And see, I'm already starting to label that 
experience, like that emotion they're experiencing or they could be experiencing. I'm trying to find that nuance with them. Then I'm going to pause and I'm going to wait to see if they're willing to share something with me. So it might sound something like, yeah, I just keep writing my letters the wrong way. And now I erased a hole in my paper and it looks so messy. I hate it. Now I can respond to that. Okay, we've moved away from the I'm stupid to like, oh, this is a workable problem now. I get that frustration, right? And I can mirror their experience very authentically. And just by mirroring, which I'll explain, we can validate them. They're seeing it in our facial expressions, in our energy. So it goes like something, and you can't see me, so I'll tell you, like I'm scrunching my face, I'm mirroring that angst a little bit. I'm saying, ah. yeah, you got a hold. Now what? So I'm acknowledging it and I'm asking them. I'm staying curious. I'm not jumping in and fixing it right away. So the child may reiterate, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do it right. I'm so stupid. Okay, so now we're back to that mean self-talk, right? Gosh, it sounds like a break could be helpful. I'm inviting them into something that could be helpful. I'm not telling them they have to. I'm not telling them exactly what to do, but I'm inviting them. I'm suggesting them. They may need that permission to themselves, right? Do you ever need permission to like just walk away from something? Like, hey, take a break. Take 10. It's okay. (laughs) And I'll share that experience with my child. Again, if they're receptive to that, I may say, I know when I get really frustrated, my brain gets all scrambled and I have a hard time thinking clearly. That's a sign I just need to take a break and come back at it again. And oftentimes it's much easier, much more manageable, or I have a different approach when I come back to it. Because here's what we're really trying to teach. And this is something that I'm still working on learning myself. So I'm trying to model it and teach it for my kids and I'm learning it for myself. But emotions and feelings are indicators to take some sort of action. But we can only take that action when we acknowledge our feelings and emotions first. So when we're experiencing that fuzzy brain and we're squeezing our pencil really hard, or we're starting to maybe slam on the computer a little bit, we're just getting super frustrated. That's a sign, wow, I'm just, I'm getting really frustrated. I just need to take a break and calm my body down. That's ultimately what we want to teach. We don't want to take away their experience by trying to minimize it or tell them they're not something they're saying. We want to just help them discover this amazing skill of really getting in touch with their experience and empower them with what can we do with that. Sometimes offering to take a break with your child is helpful. Hey, why don't we go do this thing together? But sometimes they may want some alone time. And both are totally great options. I'm not saying one's better than the other, right? It totally depends on the child and the circumstance. So if they take an independent break, when they come down, maybe offer to sit with them. Let them explain the task to you before they get started, if they're open to that. Right? The goal here is to authentically connect because that connection can help regulate. But if explaining it to you isn't the way they want to connect, don't force it. It's not a requirement. <laughs> I do this all by invitation and encouragement. So if they don't pick up the invitation you're throwing down, you're probably not doing it wrong. They may just not be ready or willing yet. 
and that's okay. I'll say things like, are you willing to explain this to me? I'd love to understand it a bit more. And they can say yes or no. That's a really respectful way to ask. Now, sometimes it is helpful to address that kind of talk head on. Whether you do it in the moment or once the storm has passed really depends on your regulation state and your child's receptiveness. But if you're going to address it explicitly, remember, we want to focus on what we want, not on what we don't want. And let me explain that statement. If your child says something like, I'm so stupid out of frustration and you want to address it, you could say something like, Remember earlier when you were writing your report and all the erasing made a hole in your paper and you said, I'm so stupid. Language like that can be hurtful to yourself. Right? It'd be hurtful to someone else if you'd say it to someone else. So it's hurtful to you. It seemed like you were feeling really frustrated in that moment. So a more helpful way to tell your brain what's going on is, ah. I'm feeling so frustrated and I made a hole in my paper because our feelings help us figure out what we need. For example, you decided to take a break and calm your body, calm your brain down so you could come back and not feel as frustrated. What do you think about that? So that's a way, right? We're focusing mostly on what we want, which is the recognition of the feeling, the skills, right? We're teaching our child, we're guiding them instead of focusing on Don't say that. That's so hurtful and really focusing on what not to do. We really want to focus on what to do. You can even invite them to practice this skill or even do it playfully through like role playing or with the doll or with trucks or whatever your child enjoys playing with. You could use a frustration monster voice and that will give them the skill practice. It'll add some connection and laughter which laughter helps complete the stress cycle. So it's a great thing to do after a stressful situation. There you have it, a little bite-sized support for mean talk for ourselves or oneself. Our last episode in this series will be released in a couple days and we'll cover mean talk towards others, which is another common early childhood behavior. Thanks so much for being here. If this episode was helpful to you, please consider sharing it on social media sharing it with a friend, or leaving a rating or review. All of these things help share the message of conscious parenting so we can change the world one person and one family at a time. If this kind of behavior reframe and response is helpful to you, check out my core membership because we do this like literally every week. And <laughs> we have a Q&A where we break this stuff down every single week. And you can find the link to learn more in the show notes. Thanks for being here and I'll talk to you soon.